Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Today I'm going to wrap this series up with the Lord's help and with five hours of your time and we're going to move on to something else. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And let's start at verse 33. We have been talking about the seven places of influence, rule, cultural shaping, and world-changing positions. Really, they are kingdoms. The devil spoke to Jesus and said, all of these kingdoms will I give unto you because they have been given unto me. We know that these kingdoms, because of God's foreknowledge, God understood each one of these kingdoms' influence and its power to shape culture. When Israel was redeemed out of Egypt, which Egypt, that word, means church, an assembly of the godless, it came out of Egypt into the wilderness, and as they are crossing over into Canaan, their rightful possession, there were six kings or kingdoms that had to be destroyed, toppled, or overcome, had to be dealt with. Those kingdoms were representative of the six kingdoms, the Israel, the church in the wilderness, is a representative of a kingdom. Every one of these areas are representative of kingdoms. Kingdoms, these six, family, education, government, finances, entertainment, and media, these are kingdoms that are really ruled by principalities and powers. These shape our culture more than any other thing. These five are dominant kingdoms, the kingdom of education, the government, finances, entertainment, and media really shape our culture and our societies far more than the church or even the family. The family has fell under the extended arm of government. <clears throat> and so we really, in America, have lost our influence over our families. We are too busy, we are, you know, we have our careers, we have everything, and so we really are very thankful to the government or to education, to government, and even to entertainment and media for raising our children. And for that, we give them applause because they charge us nothing, but they steal everything of value. <clears throat> so, we're going to talk today about how to take these kingdoms. They can all be taken back. It's not too late. Now, in verse 33, Hebrews 11, who through faith subdued kingdoms, plural, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, 
escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the turned to fight the enemies of the aliens. See, I write in my Bible, the armies of the aliens. I write in my Bible. I shouldn't do that. I, I add words. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of the bonds of imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain, with the sword and wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom this world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided something better for them that they, might, that they without us should not be made perfect. Now, before we think about taking these, because it almost boggles the human mind to think that Christians could captivate and rule the entertainment world. We think it's so far gone. Nothing's too far gone. People re see their dead raised from their dead raised again. Media. We think it's all gone. We think the world of finances is all gone. There's more money in America. There's more money in the world to make everybody multi-billionaires if people would use the principles of God. Government can be taken. Education can be taken. And the family can be restored as we talked about last week. First thing you need to do is this. Get in your mind, nothing is impossible. Understand, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Secondly, God has given us power and authority over serpents, scorpions, and over all the dominion of the enemy. All of it. Somebody say all of it. The only reason that these principalities rule this is because a righteous man has never confronted them. That's why they rule. Come on, hey, come on, hallelujah. Psalms 5.12 says that God has encompassed us about with favor, even with our enemies. So we're going to start today. Let's go to Psalms 139 and verse 14. You're probably going to wonder, how in the world am I getting where I'm going? I'll just show you where God has showed me where we are. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous, are thy works, and my soul knoweth that right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when yet I was there was yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more than in number than the sand. When I awake, after I've taken a nap because I'm weary, I am still with thee. 
Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. Now, first thing we must know is that you and I are created by God. <clears throat> we are not created with just natural substances. Everything about us has a spiritual interweaving with it. Every talent, every skill, every desire, everything about us has a spiritual interweaving and connection to God. Your voice may seem just like a voice, but to the learned righteous man, it is the sower of life and death. Could it get an amen? amen? You can speak to a mountain. You can calm a sea. So, but we don't do that because it's almost foreign to us. But God created us as spiritual beings in his image. Now, when we are created in us is the substance. God knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He knows everything about everything. He is omniscient. He is an all-knowing God. He knows the spiritual condition of every generation, of every minute, of every hour, of every day. He knows the plans and the schemes of the adversary. Hebrews 4.13 says there's nothing hid from the eyes of him, God, that we are in covenant with. So here's what God does. God doesn't create man just to exist. He creates man with a spiritual purpose. Sinner or saints, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. They are given at creation before the foundations of the earth. Every man and every woman is created before the foundations of the earth. And they are brought forth at appointed times, according to Galatians, the first chapter, verse 14, 15, 16, and 17. At an appointed time when it pleased God, I came forth from my mother, and I came forth with a purpose to preach the gospel to the Gentile. And so then when Paul says this, he says, and the signs of the apostles were wrought in me. Well, when did the calling of the apostle come upon Paul? Before the foundations of the earth. When did the gifts that brought forth signs and wonders of the apostle come upon Paul? Before the foundations of the earth. So, what we begin to see is that God, in his foreknowledge, he sees the 21st century. He sees this generation. He sees the financial condition, the spiritual condition, the governmental condition. He sees entertainment, media. He sees the family condition, and he sees the church condition. And God doesn't just create just to be creating. He creates with purpose. No person is born without purpose and the skill and the talents to fulfill that purpose. Good again, amen. Before they're ever born again, they have these things. Now man has a choice to use them for evil or to choose them for good. He gets to choose life and death, good and evil, blessing and cursing. And so God equips you and I. And you and I were born at an appointed time. We were born for the 21st century. 
I've heard Christians say, oh, I wish I could have walked with Jesus. Well, you would have been of no use. He had 12 disciples. You couldn't have been one. Amen? And you wouldn't have followed and not been on the in crowd if you were there. You'd be complaining there too. And Jesus would just say, go with Judas. <laughs> Hang thyself. Hallelujah. Now, moving right along. Just personal insight there. But now, God gives us these gifts and talents. When did Dr. Obalu become a urologist? In the mind of God, he was born a urologist. When did Dwayne Crush become a chiropractor? In the eyes of God, he was always a chiropractor. How about when did Jeff become a dentist? In the eyes of God, he was always a dentist. Always. There, were no, there was no other plan or purpose except that which God had in store for them. Could have get an amen. Amen. And so what we do is we have these gifts and these talents. Now, these gifts and these talents, hear what I'm going to say to you. Position us in and to be active in one of these kingdoms. In one of these kingdoms, your gift, whether you're a plumber, whatever you are, how, why do people like messing with toilets? I think mechanics, like who sticks their hand in a bunch of grease and then, boy, I love what I'm doing. How about a plumber sticking his hand in stuff that ain't greased and saying, I love what I'm doing. How was your day, honey? Great. Well, you smell like you had a bad day. Oh, I had fun. I was up to my elbows in it. Uh, how, how can people like that stuff? God gives us the desires of our hearts. In other words, God births them, not that he responds to what you think you want to do you are responding by being led of the spirit a desire is what leads us into these giftings or discovers what god really wants to do in our life so whether you're a plumber a factory worker a, a floor sweeper a mechanic a urologist a dentist whatever you might be those talents desires came from god and they are strategically, spiritually woven with God's purpose for this world. And each one of our gifts puts us in one of these kingdoms so that we can affect that kingdom. Remember, nothing is impossible. We have faith. We have favor. And we can move into these kingdoms no matter how dark or how wicked they are. Just to use an example, uh, uh, Michael uh, Jackson, uh, he was entertainment. Entertainment. Is that what God created Michael Jackson to do was to be carnal? Somebody says, oh, he was a Christian. You don't know that, I don't know that, and only God knows that, and everybody else doubts it. Now, we don't know. How about Elvis Presley? One guy that I was friends with said, well, God killed Elvis because he wanted to have him 
so he could have personal appearances. I thought to myself, Lord, gee, money, good night. Now, you think, but, but people think like that. So Elvis, well, Elvis was a Christian. He sang, how great thou art. In between, he was taking drugs. I'm sure he wanted to be a Christian. He probably just might not have been. Now, I've heard that, you know, he got saved right there at the last or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But let's just say that, you know, a prince, Prince or Frank Sinatra or whatever, these men used their gift, but not for the kingdom. But God's purpose was that they use it for the kingdom. So what God doesn't lay hold of in the kingdom, the devil begins to work at early ages because he recognizes anointings. He recognizes skills and giftings. And what he does is entices them with fame, wealth, power, women. There are three keys that always overthrow great men, power, money, and women. And so he entices that with them. And what he does is promotes them. But behind that is a demonic force. Is a demonic force. So now these gifts that God put in men and women for the kingdom now are manipulated by principality or power. And they start singing. And no more has it increased in more wickedness than the last 15 years with some of the uh, rappers, some of the hip-hops, white and black, are putting down, destroying all of those things women, family, all of that, because this is a violent underground movement and a culture within itself shaping America. Shaping America. And so that is an example. But what if those gifts and talents had been used for the kingdom of God? That's what God purposed for them to do. Amen? But people that have kingdom talents and purposes can operate in the kingdom and they can invade into this here as long as they can protect their righteousness and their holy state with God. The problem is the endangerment of power, money, and lust that comes with this. This is why lots of Christians cannot get into the entertainment world without becoming a part of it. You ever remember Pat Boone? Anybody remember Pat Boone? Oh, hallelujah. You remember how Hollywood shunned him when he started speaking of his faith? And he was a great singer, had great talent. But as soon as he started sharing his faith, they shunned him, shut him down. Just like they're doing with many Christian programs today because they understand that they, they right there are forcing a change of culture and society. See, uh, really, Hollywood thinks that they are gods. They are only gods because we pay to be entertained by them. Now, if you want to affect that kingdom right there, 
without being involved in it, what you could do is... Who... Uh, have you seen some of the commercials for the new programs out? I was looking at a magazine last night, and fellow said, Oh, my word, the people are naked. And I said, Where, where honey? What? She said, They was on TV. She said, They have a new program coming out. And it's all, all women or something. And I said, You're kidding. She said, Honey, it is getting so filthy. So, what can we do about that? Well, we just not watch it. That's not enough. We want to start writing advertisers and if you see a program that's not fit you need to tell all your friends about it. I want you to sign this petition with me I want you to write these people I want you to write coca-cola and say I'm not watching that I'm gonna quit buying your product if you don't oh I couldn't do away with coke switch just Pepsi go to root beer go to mellow yellow God what whatever you just go to something else do, do you under look just do that there is power in that kind of stuff. You remember when Kmart came out against Christians years ago? Christians started blackballing Kmart. So then it looked like they were going to come back. Now they're closing up their last stores. And it was connected to Sears. Lo and behold, did anybody know? Now Sears is going up. Why? Because Christians marked an enemy of the gospel. Come on, we, we have to do something together. Amen? And get people employed with you to do it. Now, let's go to Colossians uh, 3, 22 through 25. Colossians 3, 22 through 25. This is talking about our jobs. And it says, servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Now, not with eye service as men pleasers, but with singleness of heart, fearing God. Next verse. And whatsoever you do, do it heartedly as unto your master. Is that what it says? As unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Now, let's connect that with Ephesians 6, 5. Ephesians 6, 5. This is really the same connotation and same, but this is, explains it a little better. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of heart. Notice singleness of heart. Singleness of heart, of your heart, unto Christ. Now wait. You're obeying because of Christ. Next verse. Not with eye service and men pleases, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will, somebody say the will of God, from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to who? Men. Next verse. Knowing that whosoever, whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same he shall receive of the Lord, whether bond or free. Your job is a place that God has put you, but your job is to be used as a place of working for the Lord. 
What about money? The Lord will reward you for the good that you do. Now, you submit to leadership. You submit to rulers that you are under. You do a good job. You make sure that you're doing, being productive and producing the way you need to produce. But, 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 you are not there for a paycheck. Oh, yes, I am. That's why these kingdoms have been subdued by godless men. You are to use your gift and your talent for the will of God. Amen. Now, when you work in a business, you're still part of the body. We are a body of Christ. Now, David, when you would go to work at a factory, you are now an extension of the body. Yes. The body is still under the lordship of Christ. Just because we're out of church doesn't mean we're out of the body. Right. Now, David might be a finger at well, bomb folder uh, years ago. He might be a finger. That finger has been put on bomb folder, and he chose David to go there. What's David supposed to do? Remember, he is going to be obedient, but he's there to fulfill the will of God. The will of God. What's the will of God? That David invades and sets up kingdom principles in the midst of those that are unaware of God. Now, in the midst of that factory would be lost sheep. Who goes after them? The Christ and David. And then... What else do we do? We preach the gospel. Oh, but they get mad at you if you preach. But they can't get mad at you for preaching with your life. So, Steve, when David's at work and he hears about somebody over here, like uh, everybody's going to find a Peter in their workplace that has a sick mother-in-law, what's David going to do? What's the Jesus and David going to do? He's going to go to that house and pray for that mother-in-law. Every place that David works, there's going to be a Jairus, somebody faced with a life and death situation. What's David going to do? Well, you know, hallelujah, just pray for him. Oh, no, no, no. That's not what Jesus would do. Jesus said, I will come. Everybody has people that have issues in their life. What's David going to do? He's going to bring Jesus close enough that somebody can touch him. There's somebody going to be falling on a Jericho road in David's workplace. What's he going to do? He's coming down and he's going to pay the price, going to pick him up. And he's going to take him someplace and he's going to watch out over him and care for them. That's what David's going to do. See, when David sees somebody hungry in his workplace, he's not just going to say, oh, man, that's too bad. No, no, no. David's going to start a food drive. Everybody's going to bring in a can of food or whatever, put it in the trunk of your car, and you're going to take it to the man's house. See, you aren't preaching, but you are stamping them in a way that they will never Amen. forget. Amen. 
Everybody is put in a place. The Bible says in Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse 10, anytime you have opportunity, do good to all men. To all men. So in your workplace, when you see things that need to be done, you make sure you do them. Somebody gets sick in your workplace, you make sure their grass is mowed. You make sure that things around their house is taken care of. You, you make sure that things are done. Amen? Amen? Because in one sense, Jesus puts you there to care for those that do not know him and to strengthen those that do. That is the will of God for every person in a workplace. It's not just a, a time for money. No. This is an opportunity because of your talents, your skills that God has led you by desire. It is now your time to fulfill the will of God to a group of people that you may never meet going down the street on your journey of life. Amen. Absolutely. When I worked in the foundry, a foreman come up to me and said, hey, would you go pray for so-and-so? I said, he don't like me. He said, I know it, but you're the only guy I know that will pray. I said, sure, I'll go. I, absolutely, I'll go. Certainly. Amen. I found somebody in our our uh, workplace that needed money. I put on a concert at the Salvation Army. They let me use the building free. I put on a concert, raised money, gave it to him to pay his bills. Well, why would you do that? What would Jesus do? See, you, we are thinking that we're just mere mortals. We are not mere mortals. We are an uncommon creation that God has put in to the heart of humanity to bring them to the cross. There's nothing common about us. I'm telling you, I reek of uncommonness. Weird, call me whatever you want. Hallelujah. Now, we see this in Genesis. In Genesis 39, 1 through 6, what do we see? We see Joseph coming off and he comes to Potiphar's house. Guess what? He starts working. Potiphar says, man, this guy's pretty good. He's diligent. Don't lay around. Man, don't take breaks. Hey, I, I like him. And pretty soon, guess what? He's ruling the house. Now, Potiphar had little kids. I'm sure he's telling them about the God of Jacob, about the God of Isaac, about the God of Abraham. Yeah, but Potiphar's house. Well, you can't throw the whole house away just for one whore. So, well, he gets thrown in jail. He doesn't matter because he knows that no matter where he goes, he's still got a God purpose. So in jail, what does he do, man? He starts helping, help. Pretty soon, the jailer said, man, I can take vacation. This guy's going to do my job. Pretty soon, he's got friends in there. And guess what? He makes divine connections interprets a couple dreams and pretty soon he is promoted up out of that and then he becomes second in command of Egypt and he influences Pharaoh of Egypt he believes in God treats the Jewish people great and Jewish people are not enslaved until 
hundreds of years later and a Pharaoh rose up that doesn't believe in God. That was Joseph's influence. And we can have that same influence. Go to get an amen. Well, absolutely, we can have that same influence because God is with How about Daniel? Daniel got thrown in lines then. I know it, but after he came out, King Darius made a decree and said, every person in all my kingdoms shall serve the God of Daniel. Not bad. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They won't bow to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar makes a decree. Everybody in the kingdom shall worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Pretty good. All they did was just work their jobs. All they did was influence people. That was amazing. Now, I want to talk to you about how to overthrow a kingdom. How to overthrow a kingdom. Wow. Yep, I'm going to try it. Okay. Let's go to 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. 1 Timothy 1 through 4. Hey, did that guy, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, uh, Kiss. Uh, leader of Kiss. Did he get saved? He did? You don't know him? I know you're talking You know who I'm talking about? I know you're talking about, but Highway to heaven. Now, I don't know if he's saying that or not, but. <clears throat> he got saved. Good, yeah. First Timothy 2, 1 through 4. I exhort, therefore, that first, first, first of all, prayers, intercessions are given, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in a godless and in godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Next verse. And we will, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What did it say that we were supposed to do? Pray. Somebody say pray. Can this be changed right here? Yes. By prayer. By prayer. By prayer. Somebody say, by prayer. Well, I've been praying, but then you do this. The Bible says, Acts 23, don't speak evil about your leaders. And then you make those stupid remarks about leaders, and you want a holy God not to punish you or to honor his law that you're breaking. But you want him to answer your prayer. Nah, it's not even going to happen. Well, I don't like Donald Trump. God didn't ask you. 
I don't like like warm-ups. God didn't ask you. You are to pray for them. You're not to separate yourself. You're not segregating yourself from your church or from your community based on your political nonsense and your party. Well, he did this. Look, Trump might have, might make a thousand racist remarks. Obama made a thousand of them. So he, look, look, everybody has this edge of prejudice that they have to deal with. Except for me. I'm white, black inside, and white outside. I'm just a reverse Oreo. Hallelujah. I don't have a prejudice bone. My dad would have killed us. Look, if I don't like you, I don't like you. I don't care if you're trailer trash or I don't care what kind of trash you are. I just don't like you. If, if I like you, I like you. If I don't, I don't. Black, white, pink, green, it don't matter. Is that you? I don't just say, oh, you don't like black people. No, I don't like lots of white people. In fact, I don't like more white people and I don't like black people. And I got a whole list of them. Well, have you talked to God about it? No, he'll rebuke me. So I just keep it hid. I, I keep it hid. I keep... Look, if you're prejudiced, you got a real problem. Because there's neither Jew nor bond or bound or free. Amen. It doesn't matter. We're all one body. We are a new creature. There are no color codes in our church. There are no color codes in our family, in our nation, in our birthright. There are none. And there are no political parties there either. Well, who do you vote for? <laughs> for a million dollars, I'll tell you. Now, so we are supposed to pray. Ephesians 6.12, let's go over there. I know that you know these, but I'm still not going to keep Stop preaching them to you and showing them to you. We need to pray. We can change each and every one of these. Amen. We can change them. And it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, let's go down to verse 18. Because it talks about putting on the armor of God. And then it says, it says this, with your armor on, well, how does it tell you? Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, we cover ourselves with the armor of God for the purpose of engaging in battle. And how do we start the battle? By prayer. 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 Paul says these words in Galatians 4.19. I pray again for you. Again. I pray again for you. In other words, the indication is that Paul prayed for the church at Galatia again. And then they started getting squirrely. In Galatians 1, 6, 7, 8, and 9, they believed another gospel. Galatians 3, 1 through 6, they went back under the law. But Paul was, had to pray for them again till Christ be formed in them. He says, I have prayed 
And now I'm praying again for you until Christ be formed in you. If Paul prayed for people to be saved, a whole city, a church born out of his intercessions, do you think anybody prayed for Paul to get saved? How about the little boy that Paul heralded his mother and father to death in the arena? And he's praying, God save Saul. Save Saul. Forgive him. Stephen's family. God, we pray for Saul. That you would bring him to a saving knowledge of Christ. And somewhere in his life, Jesus appears to him and his glory knocks him off of the donkey. Don't you think that the leaders of these places right here, instead of us complaining, if we started lifting them up, that they could start getting born again, they could start being transformed by God, and they could start being saved just like Kiss got saved? I think so. But see, we don't pray for them. Now, we condemn them. We spit out, splurge out, just a child of the devil. That's a, they used to be a part of your family. <laughs> you just got saved. Somebody prayed for me. Somebody did. I'm just telling you. Somebody prayed for me. I told that Baptist, he was preaching me, and I said, let me tell you something, Rodney. I ain't going to knock your head against this concrete and knock your brains out if you preach to me one more time. He said, okay. He said, I'll pray for you. I said, as long as you don't let me hear you, you do whatever you want to do. But if I hear you, I'm going to knock your head against this concrete brain, this concrete floor till your brains fall out. Now, I wasn't right. I got fired from Leroy because the guy poked me in the chest like this. I knocked him on the floor and got a, a tow motor who was trying to run him over before they got me. The foreman said, I got to let you go. I said, for what? <laughs> he said, you can't do that kind of stuff. I said, okay. I remember Tom Picanew. Uh, the, the Tom worked uh, there, and uh, uh, Tom and Carol uh, Halsmeyer, and uh, Tom Pickenew said something. I took across the table, had a 20-pound sledgehammer, and drew it back and hit my foreman. My foreman said, you better be thankful you hit me and not him. I said, no, he better be thankful. Listen, I, I'm telling you, I, I just was not right in the head. But... Rodney prayed for me. And some way on a Sunday morning, I just got up and went to my bedroom and knelt in front of a closet door and asked Jesus into my heart. Hallelujah. Now, look, somebody prayed for me. Somebody prayed for me. Could we not pray for people in leadership here, send them tracts, lift them up before God, couldn't they be transformed? Do you know right now the man that founded Facebook? You, have you seen him on TV lately? He has announced he's going to start a church. Like Oprah's church. The guy isn't even saved. He's going to start an Oprah-framed church off of Facebook. Somebody... Better start praying that that man gets saved. Now, Oprah Winfrey has over 
275,000 people in her spiritualist church. Well, I heard you got saved. Well, then she ought to stop the spiritualist church. Amen. Now, we can in institute prayer and faith in every one of these areas. And we can start taking it back. Could have get an amen. amen. Absolutely. The second thing we can do, we can start walking in obedience. A prayer life without an obedient life is simply word going nowhere. Words going nowhere. The Bible says we are to awake under righteousness and sin not. If we're ever going to see God transform a sinful world, we're going to have to live holy lives. And I mean holy lives. And then, number three. Let's go to Job 22 and 23. Job 22, 23. And it says, If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up, and thou shalt put away iniquity from thy tabernacles. Next verse. And thou shalt lay a gold dust as the gold of Ophir on the stones of the brook. And the Almighty shall buy thee defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. And I have put down the wrong verse. Job, you were a problem when you were alive, and you're a problem today. No, not really. All right, let's, let's, go. <laughs> let's go to... a. Isaiah 46.10. This is the last time you write my notes. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> you write this stuff at 4 o'clock in the morning, you don't know what you're looking at. All right. And it says this. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Declaring. We could call it decreeing. Somebody say decreeing. decreeing. What is a decreeing? A decreeing is a statement of judgment or a statement of a command. So could we start making decrees over these kingdoms? Mm -hmm. Could we start making a decree over... A, Who's in the entertainment world? Uh, who? Oprah? Or, hey, how about that Simpson kid, if he'd get saved? Could we start making a decree? You know what? I decree that Bart Simpson will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could we? We are made in the image of God. And we could declare things... That are not as though they are. We could start making decrees over all types of people in these media. We ought to start making a decree over that Facebook guy that he will be thinking about spiritual things, but he will find Jesus, and Jesus will invade his life, and he will go from darkness to light, from death to life, from unbelief to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We could do that, amen? So let's start making decrees of judgment over them that they will not start a church, but he will find Jesus Christ and be a member of a church. Amen. 
Make that decree. Your, your words are filled with power. Amen. Your confession of Christ stopped the devil and got you born again. Hallelujah. And then Proverbs 16.1. Could I have that on the screen? Words are powerful. And I don't think that we speak enough of them in the positive sense. Enough of them in the positive sense. Proverbs 16.1. The preparations of the heart. In other words, the plans of our heart, of our focus, of our faith, is in man. That's up to you. What you're going to do with what you have is up to you. And then it says, and the answer of the tongue is of the Lord. So if I begin to make a decree on Mr. Facebook, I don't know his name, Mr. Facebook, that he's going to hear about Jesus, he's going to receive Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and he's going to be translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, God would answer my yes. decree. Amen. Right? Absolutely. God would answer my decree. So we ought to be doing that for local government, for people that are involved, and so forth. And so here are what words are if we're going to attack a kingdom. Go to Proverbs 25, 18. Look at what words do when they're spoken. And if words do this on a negative sense, they'll do it in a positive sense. A man that beareth false witness, that's a negative sense, against his neighbor is, is a maul, a sword, and a sharp arrow. So when you start making decrees about things, guess what? You're like a sword, a sharp arrow, and a maul to the kingdom of darkness. If a false witness can say that, and that's how it affects his neighbor, wouldn't it affect someone else in a positive way? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. All right? Now, let's go to whew, Jeremiah 9 and verse 8. Jeremiah 9, verse 8. We're just about done. Oh, wow, what's this? Their tongue is as an arrow shot out. It speaketh deceit. One speaketh peaceably of his neighbor with his mouth. But, what's this? But in his heart he layeth, layeth his weight. What's he saying? He may be talking one thing, but the intent of his heart is another. So what happens? The intent of his heart. Why? God answers the heart. He answers the words that come out of a man's mouth. Now we find out that words are like arrows. So how would you attack a kingdom? Wouldn't you attack it with some type of weaponry? Wouldn't you shoot arrows? Sure you would. And then if we looked at Ephesians 6, 18, 6, 17. I'm sorry, Ephesians 6, 17. Can we go there? Ooh. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword, sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So now we have that words are like a maul, like a sword. Uh, what was the other one that was there? Arrow 
and now it's like a sword. So why would you go up against the enemy without speaking something? Wouldn't we say something? Amen? And so we need to start making decrees. We need to start speaking things. We need to start saying things about these people. We need to lift them up in prayer. Then the Bible says in Matthew 16, 19, Behold, I give you the kingdom, keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Remember, behind each one of these men, Mr. Facebook has a spirit behind him. Come on. We need to bind his influence over that man. You ever wonder how these little nobodies become like rulers of billionaire companies? Who was Mr. Facebook? He wasn't a Dallas Cowboy quarterback. He wasn't like Pete Dosak, somebody great. He, he, what are you guys laughing at? You're getting beside yourself, aren't you there, Lord? Okay. All right. And then James says that hell is, that our tongue can set hell on fire. How about we reverse the work of the representatives of the kingdom of darkness and loose hell upon them by our words and just set fire to it. Could again an amen. Remember, whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. So let's just pray, start making decrees, start operating wherever you are. Rick, you're in a financial world. You got any money with you today? How can you be in a financial world and be broke? Oh, she's got all the money. Okay. You're connected to the bank. All right. Now, God wants you to influence the world of finances. And you can do that by every time you're hearing about something going on in the people that you work with, you respond to them. And let your life be the epistle. And as you do, you will start moving up. And pretty soon you'll be at a place of influence so employees will listen to you. You can do that. You know, Philip has married like 16 people in his factory. In fact, his factory, Hobart, uh, down in Troy, let him use the foyer of their company offices to do a wedding after work hours. They came in and turned all the lights on so Philip could marry one of the guys in the factory. And then his, his people call him and say, hey, Philip, can you pray about this? We're having a problem with it. Sure, I can pray. People overseas call him and say, hey, you know, I need faith like you have. He says, well, you've got to get disconnected from the God you worship and worship my God. He has great influence. After 20-some years, he has influence in his factory. Not trying to retire, not trying, oh, I can't wait till I get out of here. <laughs> that'll separate you from the will of God. 
right where you are, right in the midst of urology. Whoops, I made a mistake. We better pray. That, 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 that will... In, <laughs> or Jeff. There, I finally got it out. Great, Dr. Jeff. The tooth is on this side. Oh, okay. Or Dwayne. Come in and say, well, how's that shoulder feel now? Great, but my hip was dislocated, not my shoulder. <laughs> well, let's pray. No, listen. We need to start praying. All these kingdoms can be taken. Nothing is impossible. Amen. So let's reverse it. Amen? Amen? Media, instead of getting on Facebook... How do you, I, I think Facebook says this. Please push stupid button before entering. And you go. <laughs> and then you say stuff. Like. I seen some girl there. They told me this girl said. Pastor she attends our church. One day she's cussing. Next day she's praising the Lord. I said. Well maybe she's just a, uh, you know visiting. They said no she's a member. I said write and tell her. Make up your mind. Either quit cussing. And get in or get out. What is wrong that you take everything to Facebook instead of using it for the kingdom? If you're going to tweet, tweet Jesus. You're going to Twitter, Twitter Jesus. You're going to witter, 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 the holy witter, witter, whatever they are. Just come on, hallelujah. Be smarter than the principality that is behind that stuff. We are not to be like mere men. We are to be wise enough and we are to be as wise as serpents. Stop falling into the pit of the devil and acting like one. You don't ever attack another believer. You don't ever air your dirty laundry. You don't ever tell people how bad God is and how this and that. Stop. Stop. Just tell people how the goodness of God. Don't tell them about yourself. Don't tell them about anybody else. Just stop. We're wondering if you're crazy. Please stop so we'll know that you're not. Please, just please. And use the information that God has given you for good. I was on Facebook. I have a, I have an, a face account. Now it's all filtered. Pretty soon I went on there two months. Women start saying, Pastor, could I meet with you? She wouldn't, don't even go to our church. Could, could I meet with you in private someplace and share my, my secrets? I called them guys. I said, hey, get me off this thing. This woman's crazy. And Phyllis said, she must be. Has she ever seen you? <laughs> I, said, I said, no. So now everything has to be filtered before anything gets to me. Listen, if you're going to be on media, you won't be on media as a representative of Amen. Jesus. Amen. Instead of pushing the stupid button, you push the Christian button. Yeah, hallelujah. Amen.
And so we're going to do these kingdoms wherever you are. I'm telling you right now, you can start taking your workplace. You can start invading it, expanding the kingdom, and you can start taking ground, and you can start winning people to Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, you have gifted us, talented us, anointed us, enabled us, and God prepared us for this hour right now. We are in the hour that you have planned for our life. God, let us not just work. Let us perform and fulfill the will of God. Now, God, let us realize our potential of favor. Let us realize, God, that you have put us there to be promoted. And God, let us take our rightful place as a representative of Jesus in our workplaces. God, we ask that you would stir us to pray, to take our government back. Stir us, God, to begin to infiltrate these kingdoms and start getting the main line people born again, that their influence and their shaping of our culture, God, will be of a Christ nature and not of a demonic nature. Now, God, we ask that you stir us and use us. God, it is not impossible. All things are possible because we choose to believe. Faith conquered and subdued kingdoms God we will take these kingdoms back that God we will influence our culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ now God I ask that you bless every family here bless every individual here that God you protect every family and every individual God let us not be silent let us not be idle but let us rise to the call for this hour is our hour. God, let us apprehend and seize the moment. And God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.